Oh, my dear friends, we are in the fourth Sunday of Easter. This is a time when even more than other times, we celebrate the love and the mercy that God has shown to us through Christ our Lord. And it makes us all happy. What joy could surpass the knowledge of the love of God that has made it possible for all of us to inherit eternal life? In the Gospel of John that we heard proclaimed today, we see that love of Jesus and His people expressed perfectly and plainly. This text is about the contrast between good and bad, between faithful and unfaithful. It draws upon a cultural scene that would have been extremely familiar to everyone in ancient Israel, the culture of the shepherd and the sheep. Now, as with all the Bible, this can either be very complex or very simple simultaneously. So we will look at the world of the text, what was going on at the time that this was written. We will look at the world behind the text, the historical context that influenced what John wrote. And we will look at the world in front of the text. What does it mean for us today? As we said, ancient Israel was familiar with this scenario of shepherd and sheep. It was present even in the Hebrew Scriptures of the Old Testament. And it was featured in everyday life. There were laws giving the shepherd responsibility for the sheep. And it was a cultural expectation as well. In Exodus 22, the law is laid down that the shepherd must provide proof of the death of a sheep. Being a shepherd was a major responsibility. Amos writes in the Old Testament of the shepherd who brought home a piece of the sheep that he bravely grasped away from a ravaging lion. In Samuel 17, David tells Saul that when he was keeping his father's sheep, he had to battle wild animals. All of this reinforces the image of the faithful and good shepherd. And they are also examples of false shepherds, engaged only in a job for money, not as a calling, not dedicated to service, but those who are unwilling to risk themselves for the life of their flock and for their care. Now the theme of this passage is that Jesus is the Good Shepherd. John quotes Jesus, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And the climax of this passage comes after verse 13. Jesus is here for a calling. He's not about being a hired hand who is only interested in some earthly reward. In the world of the text, his disciples must have been very confused. They could not understand what Jesus was explaining to them. They could not see what Jesus would be facing, that he would die for the benefit of all humanity that Jesus would willingly face earthly death for all of us and he would welcome earthly life he would come to earthly life again in the resurrection and when we look at the world in front of the text what Jesus has meant to us in this Easter season we know that he lays down his life for us his own flock and he does so willingly 
He chooses to lay down his life for his flock. No one can take it from him, only he chooses. And just as he can lay down his life, he can choose to take it up again. And this is what we know as the way of the resurrection. For in this way he overcomes sin and death and defeats those ancient enemies of all mankind and gives us, his flock, the promise of eternal life. And in this action we see the love of God for Jesus and the love of God for all of us. But what of the world behind the text? Well, scholars believe that John wrote this text about the year 90, A.D. 90. Now this was after the Roman army had laid siege to Jerusalem. This is after the temple had been destroyed in about A.D. 70, after that great cataclysm of the nation Israel, and during this horrible time of war and repression, the Pharisees fled the city. The Pharisees did not stay with the people. They did not lay down their lives for the innocent or the persons who were caught up in the war that Rome waged against this rebellious province of Israel, against these troublesome people who believed in one God, those who refused to worship the Roman emperor. Rather, the Pharisees chose the safety of the countryside. And there they attempted to reconstruct Judaism as it had existed in the temple age. So John then draws a contrast between the Pharisees, the unfaithful shepherds, and Jesus, the good shepherd. And in this way he writes as a tool to evangelize and convert to Christianity the people of his time. But he also provides a timeless message for us as well. And what of John's message for today? What does it mean to us? Certainly we know that this passage is the message of salvation through Christ Jesus for all who believe. But what else is John telling us? What else is contained in the teaching of Jesus? How does it compel us to act in our own latter day, in our own time and place? John's message is more than just a statement of Christology more than a statement about the nature and mission of Jesus. Rather, this presents us a model, a model for Christian living, a model for leadership in the Christian community. The Christian moral life is about being like Jesus, attempting to imitate his morality, imitate his love and his compassion. And it's about doing like Jesus in everything we do. And Jesus has set the very highest standard possible. He has set the standard of perfection. There is no room to hide, no place to retreat. This is the same Jesus who said in Matthew's Gospel, Be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. If we live in such a way that we expect a reward for our services that we render, if we expect a reward for the love we show to others, if we expect some recompense for good deeds that we do, if we expect something in return when we reach out to another person, if we expect to be rewarded when we show some act of kindness to our fellow citizens, 
then we are not imitating Christ. We're only doing business. Then we go down the path of the bad shepherd, the one who is only after compensation, the hired hand, the unfaithful servant, and we do not follow Jesus. But in this Easter season, we must be reminded that we are, after all, an Easter people, that we are to follow Jesus by investing in the lives of other people. We do not stop to ask about their politics or their belief system or the color of their skin or their social status or anything else about their personal preferences. Rather, we invest in the lives of others because we follow the good example of the Good Shepherd. We follow the example of the Faithful One. And we invest in such a way that we live our lives of our fellow humans and our fellow humans' lives become more and more important in our view. And that continues until the concept of self, that longing for reward, that desire for accomplishment, that desire for recognition from other people, that begins to fade. Yes, we invest until ourselves become less and less important. And the well-being of our fellows becomes of greater importance. Then, like Jesus, we become the Good Shepherd. We become the Good Shepherd instead of the hired hand. Then we truly love and serve Jesus, just as He commanded. Amen.